Good morning, good morning. Today's class is sponsored in honor of Rabbi Fari and his family. Thank you, Rabbi, for bringing back our much-needed breakfast class, sponsored by Natalie and Richard Warshak, and also sponsored, uh, Sammy, where's the second sponsorship? It's also sponsored anonymously for the sake of a rifuah um, I'm just going to get the name in one second. Thank you again for all the people who, are, who have sponsored uh, the classes, especially during these times and getting started again. Uh, the more, the merrier. Hazaku Baruch. And today's class sponsored. No, no, not this one. Uh, sponsored anonymously uh, oh, for uh, on behalf of someone, but we also dedicating it for the Rufuah Shalemar of Shemaryahu Yosef Chaim Ben Pasha Miriam, who is uh, the undisputed Gadol Ador of Rav Chaim Kanievsky. Uh, his Shashem Yishmereu Vichayeu for many, many more years to come. Zchut Torah Toy again Aleo. His, uh, his Torah should, uh, should uh, uh, protect him. Uh, we need him with us in, in our generation. We need him, his tefillot. We need his Torah. Hashem, please, uh, uh, should have Rahmanut uh, upon him. As well, uh, the anonymous sponsorship today, Rashul for Yafa, Zakir, Bat Mazal. Okay, Rabutai, I wanted to share two different Midrashim, okay? They're very famous. Many of you have heard the first one. Some of you will have heard the second one as well, okay? But at the same time, uh, I wanted to talk about uh, what's called the Sicha Mishutefet, which means the co- a common conversation. The Midrash explains to us that when a person takes the four uh, uh, um, species and they hold them together, the mitzvah is to hold them together. Le'ogdam yachad, to bind the three together, the lulav, the hadasim, and the aravot, then to take the etrog in the left hand, to make the beracha with it upside down, and then to bring the, the two of them together. What do we see from this, by the way? You see that if you're holding it right side up, right, the, you, there's some level of fulfillment, even if you don't put the two together. Why? Since the minhag is to turn the etrog upside down, so it's not derech gidulo, the way it's growing, you see from there that if you're holding it right side up, even without them together, you already, you already have some element of fulfillment of the mitzvah. So some t- sometimes people make fun of people that they're holding one in one hand and one in the other hand and not together. Don't be so fast to make fun of them. You see clearly from the concern of holding the etrog upside down that there's also fulfillment in that. So these, these four species, not only is it a mitzvah, like we said yesterday, in the goof of the mitzvah, but there's also a nishama of the mitzvah, an inner dimension of the mitzvah, which is represented by two different sets of things. So what are you guys familiar with? The etrog represents the sadiq, right? That's what we say. Etrog represents a sadiq. Why? Because it has a good taste and a good smell. The lulav has, it comes from a tree of dates. It has a good taste, the tree has a taste, but it doesn't have a smell, okay? The adasim have a good smell, but there's no taste. It doesn't deliver fruit, uh, the, the myrtle branches, okay? And finally, the hadasim. And finally, excuse me, the, the what's it called? And finally, the arava, which has no taste and no smell. What do these four represent? The sadiq is someone who has Torah and mitzvot. The hadasim and the aravot, they each have one. One has taste and one has smell. Which, which represents, the Midrash says, a person who has Torah but no mitzvot, or a person who has mitzvot but no Torah. Which one is which? This people don't know so well. 
So hadasim is which? Hadasim has a good smell, but no taste. Which one is that? A person who has Torah or has mitzvot? Why mitzvot? Has one. What is the connection between smell and mitzvot and taste and Torah? Fascinating, this idea. So let's check this out. So obviously, Arava, no taste, no smell, that's the Rasha. A person who has no, no Torah, no mitzvot. Got it, okay? Fine. And the message is beautiful that you bring all of them together um, and only in that unity, there's a blessing that comes on the people, right, when they're together. God's blessing on the Jewish people is shoreh on the Jews when they're together. So when you bring everyone together, even the Rasha, that's a time for Beracha. That's why it says, Kol Ezrach bi Israel. What does the word Ezrach mean? A citizen of Israel, Yeshvu Basukot. Fascinating language. Normally, when you're talking about your fellow Jew, what word do we use? Ve'ahavta Reacha. We find that another Jew is called Reacha, you brought your, fr- your uh, friend, okay? What else is it called? Achicha, your brother. But here we don't say all of your brothers should stay in the Sukkot. All of, you know, your friends should be in the Sukkot. We say called Ezrach, not even Ish. Every man amongst the Jewish people. How can we use this funny word, Ezrach? It's everybody. Citizen is everybody. Ish represents, as we know, a person of importance, right? Um, like we find by the, by the Meraglim, it calls them Ish or Anashim. That's a sign of importance. Re'acha and Achicha, the Gemara is Doresh in different places. Who do you have that obligation to? Achicha ba mitzvot, someone who's also following mitzvot like you. Re'acha, like you. There's a similarity, a connection between the two of you. But someone who's a Rasha Merusha, even if he's part of the Jewish people, he could leave that category of Achicha and Re'acha. Sukkah is not the case. Why? Because as we said yesterday, the sukkah is the house of God. A child is never chased out of the home. Even if he's not part of the mitzvot, even if he's not doing the right thing, even if you have no obligations to him with regards to Shabbat Aveda or other other certain things might go out of the window, but, but this, that he, should be le- that he should be banished from the house of Hashem, from the house of a person, bar minan. A person has to figure out, even in the worst scenarios, how to include that person. And at the same time, protect the other children. The Hasidic Rebbe's used to say that the reason why we bind the three of them and the etrog apart, right? Why don't we bind all four together? It's because if the etrog is a sadiq, it's true the etrog that all of Am Yisrael needs to come together. But a true sadiq understands even if he needs to spend time together with the Rasha and he needs to be together with other people who are less perhaps inclined to do Torah and Mitzvot than himself, he has to moderate when and how he's together with them. Because otherwise, you might wind up with a Sadiq who is influenced by the Rasha instead of the Rasha being influenced by the Sadiq. Where do we find this? We find this idea that Le'ah was terrified that she would wind up with Esav. She's crying, crying, crying. Why? Why was she terrified? Let her be together with Esav and turn him. Because you never know. You're going to hang out with him. You're trying to get him more religious. Maybe he'll make you less so. 
Very important. So a person has to have their eye on the dial and understand as and when they want to come close. So let's go back to our question now. So one of them is Torah, one of them is mitzvot. Which is which? Hadassim, we know, actually represents a person who's doing mitzvot. He has a good smell, but Torah doesn't have a good smell. The other guy has a good taste. What, the mitzvot don't have a good taste? The answer is, listen, so beautiful. There's a fundamental difference between the sense of taste and the sense of smell. Taste is an experience, experienced alone. Smell is an experience which is experienced not just by yourself. Correct? So as an example, you eat the delicious steak, what do you got to say? Taste it. They can't taste that you've tasted something delicious. You have a good smell, you bring a perfume, Sammy. Remember perfume from before the jet set? Right? You put it out, you spray it in the room, everyone takes it in. Ah, You're all smelling the same thing at the same time. Okay? So the process of smell is something that can be experienced in a wider vein than just oneself. A person's Torah, they could learn Torah and just sit there in front of a book, scanning, reading, and not actually benefiting anybody else with their Torah. That's a possible outcome of Torah. That's why it's important a person who studies Torah, lilmod ulilamed, because then you're using the Torah for somebody else. But pure Torah learning, I could achieve and only have it be inside of myself. A mitzvah that I do with somebody else it can incorporate other people in the mitzvah. Not every mitzvah, but many of the mitzvot. Ben Adam etc., etc. Even the mitzvot Ben Adam Lamakom are things that are seen externally. Other people could see that I'm doing them. You do hakel, other people are encouraged to come along. Rabotai, we see this idea also where? By Havdalah. In Havdalah, we make a beracha. Baruch Hagefen. Then we make the beracha besamim. Then we make the beracha on fire. Then we make the beracha on mavdim bekodeshchol. Fascinating. Check this out. The first beracha it's maalin bakodesh. Yain taste, besamim smell, seeing the fire eyes, havdalah the head, the brain. So there's a prog- an upward progression of the berachot that we make during the havdalah. But it's not just geographically on your face that it rises up. As I said earlier, the reason why each one is holier than the next is because of the power of incorporation and distance that it encompasses. The gefen is experienced only in your mouth. Bisamim, the people around you. Your eyes can see much further than your nose can smell. You could see, you know, uh, uh, 10 miles you could see into the stars, you're looking at the moon, you're looking at hundreds of thousands of miles. You could potentially even look at the sun, which is much further than that. But the fascinating thing is, as we go further and further, the final and finite sense is the power of a person's brain, which can even contemplate things beyond what he can see. So even if something is blocking you, I'm at the ocean, I'm looking to the end as I could see of the curvature of the earth, I see the water, I could still think of Israel. Much further I could see. Even beyond the sun, there are planets that are further away from us than the sun. I could even think about things that happened before I was born and after I die. So the power of these things is relegated to the enormity, to the space and time difference contemplated by that specific function. So that's why the Hadassim represent misvot. They're smelled by more than one person. 
and the, and the Aravot, which and the excuse me, and the uh, the lulav represents the Torah because that has a good taste, but not necessarily a good smell. If a person obviously does both, then they have both. The second midrash says something a little bit different. It tells us that the hadasit, that the etrog represents the heart, right? Why? Because we all know a heart actually doesn't look anything like the pictures that we have in emojis. There's not a single heart that looks like this. And if it does, you better go see a, a cardiologist because you have serious trouble. A heart actually looks, you know, if in nature, what actually looks the most like a heart? A walnut. You ever see a walnut with the seam and the, you know, that actually looks a lot like a heart, okay? With the four chambers, etc. Now, now, what's interesting to me is that that heart, so to speak, the etrog, with all of its bumps, again, and when etrog, that, you know, obviously different shapes, but that's representative of a person's heart, okay? What happens after the etrog is represented by the heart? You have the lulav, which is tall and skinny, represents a person's spine, spine the shidra, okay? The, uh, the hadasim represent a person's eyes because they're, they're small and whatever, and the aravot are long and thin with the line in between, they represent a person's lips, okay? Now, why is it that of all the body parts, we chose to represent these four things? I don't know, how come you didn't get, uh, what's it called? You go to the, the, you know, the, the, your garden and get uh, cucumbers and have it be represent a, okay, a person's feet, you know, a person's legs, eat two cucumbers for the legs. And then you found, you know, I don't know, uh, I don't even know what's the shape of a foot, but you know, you found something. Asparagus kind of looks like a foot with toes. How can you know we? Okay, this is representative. We can have all of the fruits, you know, tied together. Rabotai, what's being communicated to us here is the incredible importance of these four of the body parts. Number one, the person's heart. Okay, in Judaism, when we refer to the heart, we refer to a combination of the heart and mind. How do I know that? Look throughout the entire Torah. You don't find any mention of the brain. Even when we're discussing knowledge. Fascinating. You see, the Torah is teaching us an unbelievable, powerful chidush. It's true that thoughts happen in the brain says Say Chazal, teaches us the Torah through this idea. But a person's, as we all know, the emotional state governs the way they think about something. So if you're in a happy place, what thoughts do you think? Happy thoughts. If you're overjoyed, that someone comes in like, oh, I just saw the rabbi, he was in McDonald's. In a happy place, you're like, he was probably getting a Coca-Cola. You're angry, someone just ripped you off in business, someone just hurt you, someone just yelled at you, someone made fun of you. You're like, you're Machshumotis rabbi eating cheeseburgers. <laughs> I don't even mind if he's eating the cheeseburgers, but he makes it that we can't eat the cheeseburgers, and he's eating, you're <laughs> That's how it works. So what's fascinating is, you know, they say the way to a man's uh, uh, heart is through his stomach, the way to a man's head is through his heart. The way the state of mind that you're in is dependent on the emotional state that you're in. Okay? That's why a person wants to connect to the highest levels of connection with God. It's not really Rosh Hashanah or Kippur. It's really Sukkot. Since it's a time of excessive joy, 
now is when you move in the house. You know why? Like every one of us, I feel like, Hashem feels like your wife comes home, your husband comes home, they're in a miserable mood. You tell them, you're coming home like that. Get, get, get out the house. Don't bring that in here. In a time of tremendous simcha, we move in with God. God's telling us, without that simcha, silicha, I don't want you here. Where do we find this concept? A mirror of the idea of Sukkot. We find it with Nivu'ah. The highest form of knowledge of God is prophecy. And what do we know about Nivu'ah? A person cannot have Nivu'ah unless they're besimcha. And it was as the players would play, there would be prophets that they would have orchestras sitting there playing beautiful music so that they could be calm in a beautiful state of mind and that's how they would get nivuah. In fact, we learn that Avraham had, what do we say in the, what's it called, in Echare Atzon? He was ayin bimar bocha, his eyes were crying bitterly. Vilev sameach, his heart was glad. How do we know Avraham's heart was glad? Because while he's sitting there with the knife, all of a sudden, Malach from Shamaim calls out to him, Avraham, Avraham, Bayomer, Hineni. If he's having prophecy, must be, he's in a spirit of half simcha, otherwise he couldn't hear it. You hear? So the concept of simcha and knowledge of God, communion with Hashem, are bound up together. So the first thing is important is a person to pay attention to his etrogas heart. The second thing is having a spine. Being able to stand up to things. Being able to do what's right even when it's difficult. That's what they call having a spine, having a shidra. It allows a person to stand upright. What is that concept of standing upright, a, st- a long, a, st- a straight spine? The idea is that a human being is unique in this idea that it can stand straight. All the other animals are bent over. Even a gorilla that can also stand upright doesn't have the same koma. Right? It's, a, it's kind of curved over. So the idea of a human being, the ability to make human choices, to make conscious, logical choices, rests in the person being able to have a strong spine. That's the lulav. Being able to make decisions that are difficult, okay? that are hard, that are unpopular. That's what it takes to be a good person. The next thing is a person's eyes and a person's lips. The eyes, as we know, are the gateway to a person's Soul. Why? We just discussed the lev, which is the etrog. The Gemara says that the enayim, they're like the agents of sin. Why? They go out there, they see all the things that they want. And what happens if you see something you want? Your heart wants it. You saw the Abu Dazara, your heart wants it. You saw the woman, your heart wants it. You saw the money, your heart wants it. So the eyes and what we regulate and allow our eyes to see will have a direct impact on the heart. So let's not talk for a second about things that are inappropriate. Let's talk for because that's obvious where that goes. Let's talk about a simple study. And everyone here who has kids, and even anyone who doesn't have kids but is themselves in this situation, needs to know this. There have been study after study after study over the last two years that prove unequivocally that for young people there is a direct correlation between how much time they spend on social media and how much they are depressed, how much they are suicidal, how much they have eating disorders. Direct correlation. That means the number of hours goes up on social media 
the depression, suicide, uh, what's it called, eating disorders, uh, aggravation, cynicism, negativity, it rises. That means that when you're constantly looking at other people and how skinny they are and how beautiful they are, and it's all fake, we all know that. You know how you know that? Because your profile is also fake. No one ever posts a picture of themselves with ketchup stains. No one ever posts a picture of themselves with a triple chin. You know, you're like, oh no, take it again, take it again, delete it, delete it. Delete it, delete it, right? This is how we do, right? So we know it's fake because of ourselves. You're like, oh, you take a picture, you're like, no, that's not nice enough. Filter, filter, filter. Now shoot the sunset that I saw. Muppet, you didn't see the sunset like that. That's a sunset on Mars. There's never been a sunset that was that red, right, since the uh, ascension of Ra over the Jewish people in the desert. Rabotai, this is the point. So it's important to be able to moderate what goes in what we see and what we expose ourselves to, what we're looking at, what we expose our children to, not even inappropriate things, even appropriate things. What are they seeing? Who are they hanging out with? You know, what kind of behaviors are they seeing in those houses? Etc. 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 And finally, is the lips. Our power, both of lips for the positive in prayer, in Torah, but also in negative, in being able to speak Lashon Hara. The greatest power that a human being has over all the animals of the animal kingdom is his ability to speak and communicate one with the other. So Rabotai, it's incredibly important. These four things to be careful of and when a person is careful of these four things they're careful of Torah and mitzvot together they're careful of and understand the impact as we said mitzvot and Torah is a concept of distance speech you know hagefen besamim fire and havdalah is the greater this difference is the greater impact it makes so understanding the impact of our eyes of our mouth of our heart and of our spine allows a person to become uh, an extraordinarily powerful human being and a fantastic Jew living in this in the portion of Hakadosh Baruch Himself. Baruch Adonai Amen. Amen.